All right. Once again, we are here on Advantage Connors, a little jet-lagged edition. Coming to you, as always, your host, Brett Connors, up the coast in Santa Barbara. Jimmy, how's it going? I know you had a long flight. You've had a long trip. Tell us about it. How you feeling? I'm good, but uh, the jet lag is, uh, I don't take it like I used to. Uh, going from London to Tokyo to Buenos Aires to New York and, and traveling around when I was younger was like uh, well, like nothing. But now I take a flight from uh, from Palm Beach back to L.A. and then drive up to Santa Barbara and I'm exhausted. <laughs> so I'm uh I'm trying to uh, trying to get acclimated again. I've had a busy day trying to do a few things, getting back, you know back on uh, the duties around the house and things that I have to do. But uh, yeah, good to talk to you. I haven't uh, talked to you in a while, and I know you've been busy. And uh, good to be on the podcast with you again. Yep, talk to us. Let us know how the golf tournament went. Last time we talked to you, you were getting ready to play in the event down in Florida with Schnittles. How'd it go? Well, it didn't go quite as uh, as we expected, but uh, you know, we we played against a lot of these young guys who just absolutely blister the ball. And I'm an old guy, Bretter. You know, I'm lucky to get uh, you know two thirty or two thirty five out of my drives, and these kids are hitting the ball, you know, sixty seventy yards past me, and I'm hitting a hybrid into a lot of these par fours and they're hitting you know uh, eight or nine irons and it's it's tough to compete but on the on the other hand that's who i want to play against because they're going to make me better uh and uh, you know to come back here now and, and to to play with my buddies back in santa barbara and and you know bring that experience back here is is only going to make me you know understand that you know what i have to work on what i have to get better at but uh Man, it was fun down there. It was a great weekend. And, you know, I love being with my friend David Schneider and hanging with him and you know, playing golf with him. And, uh, you know, we've been friends. You know, I know we've talked about it uh, a lot. And, and, and you know, David and his family, you know, we've been friends since we've been kids. And, and to, to still hang and, and to have a good time, not only on the tennis court, but also on the golf course is, uh, is pretty special. Nice. That sounds uh, fun. You got to see OBS a little bit too. And by the fun. way, just to say how we finished, I think we finished out of six. I think we finished fifth. <laughs> so fifth out yeah, of how many? Uh, out of uh, six in our group, we finished <laughs> down fifth. But uh, yeah, but but that that's okay. We we were in there. We were grinding. I mean, we we weren't giving it to them. They had to beat us. And and uh, you know, the first day was a rough day, but the second day, you know, we had a much better day, and we ran into a, a couple good groups, but. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, you know, playing with some of those young guys, and I had to basically ask him, Brad. I said, you know, uh, you know, what do you what do you do for work? I said, you know, if you're playing golf like this, what's your job? And I thought <laughs> golf was their job, and it and it was uh, it was fun. We had a lot of good uh, uh, good guys in the group, some good conversation, and a lot of fun. So yeah, it was nice. a great weekend, really good weekend. Nice. Sounds like fun. I'll uh, have to get my uh, sticks and come down there with you one of these days and, and play golf and, and catch up and get some guys down there on the podcast from uh, Florida. Yeah, me and, me and David, we need a little length so we, okay. can, we can use your length. We, we, so Doesn't you know, we'll always go straight. Ball. <laughs> okay. Well, it sounds fun. I'm glad you got to see him and, and play in that and Aubrey and spend time with her and, and uh, shout out Obs. Hope, she, hope she's doing well. I don't want to keep you long, but I thought this, since we just came off the Australian Open and, and it's a lot of the smaller events now before we get to Indian Wells in, in a few weeks, I thought it's a good opportunity to go into the mailbag. I uh, ah. I put, put the, hey, leave us your questions, topics on your Facebook page. And you guys showed out over 220 questions in less than 24 hours. 
So nice. We thank you. And uh, I went through before uh, before the show and I picked a bunch that seemed to be on there a lot. So topics that you guys want to hear about and then some of the fun outside the box ones since we uh, we don't just always want tennis here on the pod. So we're we're happy to get it. So you ready for some questions? I'm in a talkative mood. Perfect. <laughs> Let her rip. Let her rip. We'll start, <laughs> Give me we'll, some we'll, good ones. We'll ease you into it. We'll start with some fun. Uh, Richard Large, Large uh, asks, Hey, Jimmy, wanted to know if you ever had any UFO experiences. I'm a fan. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm into it. I, I, uh, I think they're for real. And, you know, back, uh, I want to go back and uh, I want to make this quick. Back in the 90s, I started a senior tour and I was doing so much traveling. I was fortunate enough and, and you know, better. I had, uh, I, I, I had uh, uh, my, my own airplane and, and it was, and the call sign on my plane was N10S. So N tennis was my call sign. Mm-hmm. And we had, my pilots were, were beyond great. They were like a member of our family and treated you and your sister and your mom as such. And I often asked them, I said, if you ever see anything, you know, up here as we're flying, because my favorite was to fly at night. And no matter where I went, I wanted to fly because I wanted the moon. And, and you know, I wanted, uh, I didn't want to waste any time during the day. And our captain, uh, Byron, who was uh, so great to us all and took such good care of the plane, finally took me aside because every time I get on the plane, I'd say, Byron, you got you, you, you got to tell me, have you ever seen anything? Do, do you see anything? Will you you know, wake me up because, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I want to know what's going on. He said, I will not do that. I will not tell you. I will not say a word because the paperwork that you have to fill out going through all that is, <laughs> is not worth it. <laughs> so, That's funny. Uh, but, but he, he was, he was amazing. And, and, you know, uh, you know, going back, I, I don't know, I, I watch ancient aliens and I watch a lot of that. And, you know, going going back and 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 seeing a lot of things over history that that uh, that have happened with you know Stonehenge and you know the the pyramids and and a lot of pyramids in South America that match up with the pyramids in Egypt and the pyramids here. Uh, you know, it's hard it's hard for me to think. And now you may, you know everybody out there may think, yeah, this guy's a wacky 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 son of a bitch, and yeah, I probably am. But but I, I it's hard for me to believe. That a lot of things that happened like that didn't have help, and now where where that came from, I don't know. Uh, I don't know, but I have an open mind, and I'm I'm not saying that. Well, it's it's not this, it's not that. It is this, it is that. I have mm-hmm. an open mind for you know for all discussions, and uh, you know, show me some proof, and if uh, if, th- if if that is a possibility, and if it's not, show me some proof that it's not. But uh, so far, there's so many questions that are out there that the theories that are out there mm-hmm. are pretty amazing and uh you know so you know if you're until i know one way or the other i want to have an open mind and continue to uh you know to look into it and, and to try to you know listen and learn as much as i can so yeah okay there you go all right and yes uh, i am a wacky son of a bitch there you that's, go <laughs> that's a good thing that's an understatement um <laughs> I, I hope i hope they're real i mean i hope that yeah we're me too wrong in the universe. I hope there's something else out there. Then there's the conspiratorial guy inside me, you know, Mr. Conspiracy Theorist here, who thinks that I think it might be, I think they might be from us. It's the earth. It's on earth. I think it's some sort of tech 
Because if you look at certain technologies like car with gas and certain airplanes, we're still flying in, in, in you know, 727s that are 30 years old. But all the other technology with computers and phones and all the GPS and all this other stuff is advancing at light, light speed. And so it seems like on certain things, the government or whatever you want to call it, the, the powers that be have maybe stunted the, the progress on certain things. And then that will give them such an edge with the hidden tech. But then, then what, what you're saying with the ancient aliens is, well, maybe we got that tech from somebody, right? Like right. maybe they brought it down, gave it to us, and then now we're reverse engineering it or something like that. It has been interesting the last couple of years how like it used to be you were a cuckoo if you talked about it. And now it's become a lot more mainstream. It's acceptable. They're having hearings on the, you know Capitol Hill about it and Congress people talking and asking questions. So it's definitely more in the uh, public uh, eye. And I, I'm, I'm for it. I like more of it too, like you. Yeah. I'm with you, you know, and, and, you know, the, no matter what you think or what anybody says, you know, uh, uh, there's a lot of theories that they're actually walking among us now, Ooh. uh, you know, so, <laughs> and, you know, you never know who you're walking next to watch out, you know, right. which might've been on the plane you know, next to you today. Yeah. Well, you know, which is, you know, which is kind of fun, but you know, I mean, you know, people are going to listen and say, Jesus, this guy's got, you know, he's lost his mind. You know, he had too many tennis balls. I probably did, but (laughs) I'd rather, I'd I'd rather have an open mind towards the theory than not, you know, it just, uh, it just makes my days better. So there you go. Take it or leave it. I'm taking it. All right. Moving on. Next one. Rodney Johnson. Love you guys on the podcast. uh, Jimmy, you've been very fortunate to meet some amazing celebrities in your life. Who was the one celebrity that made you the most nervous to meet? Oh, mm-hmm. boy. Hmm. That's a good one, huh? That is a good one. Uh, I, I've been very lucky. And, you know, because I, I come from the 60s and the 70s where going back and, you know, as I say many times, I'm old school. So, you know, having an opportunity to meet Frank Sinatra or Elizabeth Taylor or Joe Montana or Wayne Gretzky or Muhammad Ali, you know, in sports and in music. Uh, what about, mm, I, got, I got a question. What This one always stands out to me. When you were doing your matches in Vegas, you always told me the story about Joe Lewis had been hired yeah. as a greeter. Right. Like, one of the greatest athletes of all time hired as a greeter. Right. And Caesar's Palace. And if you know the story of Joe Lewis, he had some, you know, tough, tough road along the way after his success and with IRS and all that shit. But I mean, to me, he was one of the greats ever. Was it? Did you get nervous meeting him? No. You you know what was interesting about that, Brad? And I'm glad you brought that up because uh, when when I played Rod Laver in in a challenge match at uh, Caesar's and, and, and Mr. Lewis was uh, you know, a greeter there. And I mean, he, you know, his popularity and his fame and his reputation. And after, after the match, there was a, after I played Laver, uh, which by the way, I won, we go to this party and Mr. Lewis was there. And my grandfather, your great grandfather, who, who we called Pop, uh, was a boxer. He had, uh, the opportunity to spar with Mr. Lewis uh, when he was uh, passing through, you know, St. Louis or, you know, my uh, pop also right. lived in Kentucky. And and so I I was able to take up to Mr. Lewis and say, Mr. Lewis, this is my grandfather. You know, he was a boxer. And 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 Miss, I, I'll never forget it. He says, uh, uh, Joe Lewis looked at him. He says, I'm sure I knocked you out, <laughs> you know, and, <laughs> and, you know, and my and pop goes, 
I don't know about that, but he did, you he know, did, but it knocked but, him out. Right. <laughs> yeah. But, but, but it was, but it was amazing to, to have been able to take, you know, my, my grandpa who trained me and, you know, and trained me like a boxer, mm-hmm. you know, and, and gave me that, uh, you know, that kind of, uh, 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 education on how, you know, how to get in good shape and what it took and, and you know, and, you know, kind of that fighting spirit and, you know, tennis was always boxing at, uh, you know, at 90 paces, and and to have been able to introduce him to Joe Lewis was oh my god was amazing and and uh, you know and that uh, you know that Caesar's Palace back in the day you know had so many great you know activities and special events and fights and and uh, you know tennis the events I, I, around. yeah you know and, and you know the the tennis events that I had right back then was you know was in the early seventies in Hollywood and and. Uh, you know, was very tennis oriented. Uh, they love tennis uh, from, yeah. you know, a lot of the big stars love being not only played it, but love being a part of it and playing in the pro-ams and things. And yeah, it was, you nice. know, and, and, and I'm I just going to say one other thing that, you know, I, I had an, an entree because I was, you know, close to Pancho Segura, who was the pro to to the stars you know, mm-hmm. the people that he taught and, you know, the people that would come to the Beverly Hills Tennis Club and take lessons from him and, you know, be sitting around having lunch. And, you know, I was, you know, lucky to be uh, able to meet a lot of those people. And, uh, you know, it was a pretty special time. Yeah, I was pretty lucky. Very, nice. I had a very, very lucky childhood once, once I left East St. Louis. And not, yep. that, not that that was bad, but, uh, you know, at, at 15, it was time to move on. Right. Yeah. I'm a big Joe Lewis fan. If you've seen the documentary that was, I think came out on HBO years ago, it's a sad tale of his life. And, and, you know, he seemed like a really interesting dude and, and, uh, must have been pretty cool to meet him and get to talk to him a little bit, especially with pop. Yeah. Uh, all right. Moving on. How you're going to like this name. Jimbo Hobson says, do you remember a match with Michael Steak in Memphis? I brought a busloads of a busload of kids, uh, from hot springs over there and you were the feature and Shtick was number one in the world. You were getting torched, and you were clowning around, giving the racket to the ball kids, trying to hit a serve. All of a sudden, you hit a few amazing shots. Shtick got mad about a call. You got the sold-out crowd in a frenzy and blew Shtick's mind. You ended up coming back and winning the match. We got home at 2.30 in the morning. You remember that? (laughs) (laughs) I think I kept people up way too long on too many matches. But, uh, yeah, you know, know, some... Some matches, you know, playing against, uh, you know, when he's number one in the world, playing against a guy like Michael Steak or, or Borg or McEnroe or Becker or Sampras or, you know, whoever at the time was 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 always special, you know. And, and uh, you know, Steak came up and I was I was kind of getting older at that time. And, you know, to be able to, you know, go out and, and uh, you know, give him a match and, and, and kind of, you know, get stuck into it like that. But, you know, I often said, Brett, that, you know, the crowds have won me a lot more matches than maybe I should have. But that was, you know, for me to bring the crowd down and, and to be a part of what I did and, and to get involved like that, that was my fun. You know, mm-hmm. not only was the tennis my fun, but the crowd was, wow. you know, was amazing. You know, and 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 they came, you know, I'll never I'll never forget. I did a a uh, an event with uh, with with five or six other athletes and Wayne Gretzky was one of them and and I'll never forget Wayne uh he was he was up walking and he and he stopped behind me and he says there's two things there, there's two people here and he put in and he was standing behind me and he says Jimmy and me that understood 
that this is entertainment and to give the fans, you know, an opportunity to be a part of what we we were doing and to bring them down and to feel like they were an influence in us winning. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll never forget that. And, and, and he was right because that's what sports are. You know, people pay their hard-earned money to come and watch us play and they don't want to walk out of there disappointed. They right. want to walk out of there saying, that's, that's the best time I ever had. I want to go back again. And by the way, Joe and Sue and, and Jack and Ann, you're going with me tomorrow because did you see Gretzky score that goal? Oh my God, that was amazing. And did you see that back end that Connor set up the line? Yeah, could, could you believe it? I'll never, if we mm-hmm. see that tomorrow, you'll love it. And and yeah. and he was right. And and that's that, you know, why do you think, you know, tennis in, you know, in the in the 70s and 80s grew and yeah. hockey has grown to where it is now. And, you know, it's 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 entertainment and and uh, to to it, but but it's also about winning and making money now yeah. too. So you know, yeah. there's a lot of other things that enter into it. But uh, yeah, I'll never never forget him saying that, and I always appreciated that. Yep. I mean, it always makes me think you're the one who says that all it takes is you know one call, one shot, one thing from the crowd to get you going and turn the match around. And this seems like a perfect example of that. Um, yeah. Also, also, I think that you were smart and you were able to use the crowd as almost like a, a, a release valve for like the tension. You know, I think a lot of other players, if they broke concentration and started talking to the crowd or handing the racket or sitting in the, um, uh, in the lines guys, uh, line judges seat, you know, it might break their concentration and they might lose focus and, and, and start to lose. But with you, it was almost like there'd be this, these tension moments. You'd go back, make a comment, grab, you know, grab someone's popcorn, take a bite, you know, and it would like release a little bit of the pressure almost that people would laugh, you'd smile, and then you'd settle back in, get your focus and then, you know, be able to play. But like, yeah, I don't but think I, people are like that. No, but I, I was good. Uh, I was good at uh, releasing, but I was also getting right back into the moment. Yeah. Yeah, that that was that was the key because you know my my very good friend uh, uh, Ily Nastasi, you know mm-hmm. that was that was what he could not do, you know he was very good at releasing the tension, but he could never get back into the moment. It always took him a while, you know, uh, you know, a, a game or two, and you know by that by that time the set could be over, right. and and uh, but I, I was good at you know re, uh, you know collecting myself and getting back into you know what was important, and that was you know trying to win the point. But uh, yeah, you're right. I was good at concentrating, but I wasn't good at concentrating for five hours. Yeah. I was good at you know concentrating when it meant something, you know, which is when the ball was in play and you know it mattered. And uh, yeah, I was lucky that way. And I, I think that came you know a lot from you know the way I used to practice from a very young age that, uh, you know, that, that every, every second counted, every minute counted, you know, and, and that, you know, 45 minutes of doing it the right way was enough. You know, I didn't have to stay around for four hours and, and it, to, to get well, what I was looking for out of it, that I was able to, you know, put all of that energy into that time and, you know, and then was able to do other things also. So yeah, yeah I was lucky in that way. Very lucky. Yep. And just to put in perspective, Shtick, one Wimbledon in 91 played into the mid, you know, mid late nineties, um, won a world tour finals in 93. And it just shows you how long of a career you had. You started in the early seventies and you're still beating guys who were ranked number one at the tournament, uh, you know, in the, you know, early, whatever it was nineties, whenever that match took place. And, uh, it sounds like, that sounds like it was a pretty fun story, pretty fun match to be at. I'm going to say it. I've said it many times better. And I know I've talked to you about it, uh, you know, on the podcast enough. I had a good run. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, and 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 a and a and a run that that allowed me to be at the top for ninety nine point nine percent of the time. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, but that that's that was my work ethic. You know, even though I was getting older, I knew that I had to, you know, put more time in and 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 train harder. And because I was playing against guys younger, but I also understood that I couldn't do it so much that I would hurt myself. So mm-hmm. that I wouldn't be ready to play. So you know, there's such a fine line, you know, when when you do get older, whether it's you know uh, Nadal or Federer or Pancho Gonzalez who played into his you know well into his 40s, you know, or me, you know, you got to figure that out on your own, you know, mm-hmm. just just what you can do so that when the matches come around, you're ready to go, as opposed to when the matches come around, you're going, holy shit, you know, my arm or is my back or is my leg, you know, I train too yeah. much. You know, it's a it's a fine line. So that's up to the individual. Yep. All right. Let's get through some more questions here. This is a, a quick one, I think. It looks okay. like from a Trojan fan, Ray Danigan's got a picture wearing Trojan gear, but he's asking a UCLA based question. I remember Spencer Segura had a green Porsche nine fourteen question mark. Was it freshman year at Westwood or was that yours? And did you watch any other sports when you were at UCLA? That was mine. I had, I, had a, I had a 911 Targa green. And, okay, so it was a 911. Yeah, it was a 911. Yes, I did watch sports. I went mostly to the basketball because it was at the Pauley Pavilion, which was right on the campus of, of UCLA, and I lived very close to that. The football, I liked the football. I go to a lot of the practices, but uh, as far as going down uh, you know, to, to watch and play, not not often, but uh, the basketball, I was a big fan of, very big fan of the basketball. And uh, a lot of the guys I had classes with, and uh, it, it was fun not only hanging in class with them, but also watching them perform. And, you know, and back then, UCLA was so dominant in basketball that, uh, you know, it, it never hurts to go and watch a winner. So uh, that was pretty fun. Well, and you were homies with Bill Walton. I know you always said that he had a little patch of grass on the UCLA campus that he would... Uh... <laughs> no, that, that was that was my that was my patch. He actually that was went your to patch. Class. Oh, okay. Yeah, he he actually went to class. <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we we had some classes together, and and uh, you know, for me, you know, I I knew, you know, I I wasn't a student. You know, it's it's no secret. And even though I I loved that uh, year at college, you know, in UCLA, uh, the coach Glenn Bassett was an amazing coach, and. You know, they they put up with me for that year, but uh, uh, you know, my my focus was was on tennis, and I I knew my uh, the direction I was going to go, and you know, and I and I've often said that you know, and, and your grandmother, uh, my mom, said that you know uh, she wanted me to get an education. I happened to hit my stride when I was nineteen and start playing some pretty darn good tennis and started to win some matches and some tournaments over some top players. And I said, it's it's time for me to, to uh, you know, to to go and make my way, and right. and and, uh, and and also I'm going to go back to to Lloyd Bridges, uh, who was a, a very good friend of the family. You know, he told me, he says, Jimmy, you got to strike while the while the iron's hot. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't know how long it's going to be hot, so you got to strike. And and so your grandmother said to me, she goes, okay, she goes, I'll give you five years. And she goes, but you got to promise me if if in five years that things don't work out for you and, it does, and, and you don't make it, that you go back to school. I said, yeah, that's a deal. And I would have done anything to make it happen so I wouldn't have to go back to school. 
uh, you know that that was just that was just my attitude and and uh and, Sounds like and, the time and, at UCLA and, and the way I looked at it that was just the way I looked at it and and uh, you know look looking back it was a great time but uh you know school wasn't for me and it's not for everybody but uh I was lucky it worked out for me yeah Sounds like you still had a little bit of fun the one year and a half that you were there. It doesn't sound it like it was the worst beyond place. fun, Brad. Beyond <laughs> it doesn't fun. sound like the yeah. worst place to have hung out. No, I mean, you know, hanging out in Westwood and in, uh, in Westwood Village and uh, in LA and going to UCLA and, and meeting Especially the, at that time because the, the UCLA was so good at basketball and all these different sports, you know. And, right. You know, and the athletes who went there and, and you know, forget that. I mean, I, I made a lot of friends who weren't, weren't athletes there. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, became, you know, and, and, uh, got to know him quite well. And, you know, Jeff Austin, uh, Tracy Austin's brother was, was on the team and, you know, was, was my good friend. And, you know, we played doubles together and, you know, we're still friends to this day, even though, you know, we, we have different lives and, you know, we've kind of gone in different directions, but you know, if, uh, you know, if we see, if I would see him tomorrow, we'd pick up where we left off, you know, yeah. and, and, and that's a friend. Yep. Uh, you know that uh, so I mean the 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 days of of, of back then were uh, were pretty special for me it, you know because I came from a small town in Illinois I never thought I'd ever end up in in uh, Beverly Hills or Westwood Village or going to UCLA uh, you know and uh, it was a dream of mine and you know for that to have come true was pretty amazing. Yep, definitely was. All right, moving on, we have a lot of good questions tonight. We got two current tennis questions that I want to get your take on and then we'll get back into some uh, some other ones from the Facebook, okay. from the Facebook page. Here's one that uh, I feel like we can definitely talk on. Um, did you see the news? Holger Runa, who we had on pretty much just about two months, two and a half months ago on the podcast, was a great guest. Mm-hmm. He came on. One of the topics we talked about was his recent partnership with Boris Becker, former yeah. number one Grand Slam champion. And uh, it came out this week that they have decided to stop working together and, and part ways. Runa had also hired uh, Severin Lufty um, after we had our podcast. So that's why we didn't talk about it. But who used to travel and work a lot with Federer, but was in a ton of you know in his box for a ton of Grand Slam titles. Um, so he's gone from having both those guys to neither guy. And a lot of people are asking kind of the similar question. A lot of people are pointing to his mother, Anika, who came on the pod and or didn't come on that pod, helped us arrange the pod and was very kind to us and, and seemed like a great person. But uh, I thought it would be good to ask you because of, you know, Grandma Glow taught you, managed you, represented you, was there for a lot of your career and, and a big part of it. And I uh, just wanted to get your thoughts on, you know, on the situation, on him stopping working and then people, you know, maybe getting in his head. Is she too much a part of his his tennis life? Is, is there room for a, a parent to be a part of it? What's your take on it all? <laughs> you said it all, son. I mean, it, it, you know, to you know, uh, when when Boris started working with him, you know, we thought that was a good thing, you mm-hmm. know. But but uh, you know, the demands that that would have been put on somebody like Becker, I mean, that that's not just a a hit and miss. Uh, you know, I know when I was with Andy Roddick, I mean, I, I was on the road a lot. You know, going to you know different tournaments and being gone for four and five, five and six weeks in a row and going to the Grand Slams and, you know, and all that. So it's it's a commitment. If you're not willing to make that commitment and you have other things going, and, and I'm sure Boris does, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a very difficult decision on both because I'm sure that that uh, Runa saw, you know, what uh, what Boris could bring to bring to the table and, and how he could help improving. But, you know, on the other hand, he's got to understand that, you know, a guy – 
Becker's age has also a life. And unless you're willing to put everything into to not only being a great player on your own, but helping to make him a great player, it's a tough commitment. Now, going back to the mom, listen, no, nobody knows more about uh, Runa than his mom. You know, just like, you know, your grandma knew about, you know, about me and my tennis and who to turn me over to when she turned me to Pancho Segura and, and what that meant, and, you know, and what her part would be after that. And was she willing to pull back a little bit and understand that, that uh, you know, what he could give me and how he could make me a better player. And, you know, so there's, there's a lot that goes into behind the scenes, too, you know, and, and uh, even though your, your grandmother took care of my business, she was very, very lenient on the tennis and, and allowed me to, you know, to work with Pancho and, and to, you know, to find out what he could give me, not only with my tennis, but also, you know, uh, for the for the men's game, as opposed to the way your grandmother taught me and how that would improve my game. And she appreciated all that. I guess the best way for me to say it is my mom, your grandma wasn't afraid to let go to a certain point. Right. You know, and, and you know, but I, I was also getting older at, at that time also, you know, and, and kind of going into my own. You know, I, I, I started working with Pancho at 15, 16 years old. And all of a sudden I was 19, 20, 21 and starting to win and, and you know, make my name, make uh, my name for myself. You know, so and Runa is in that position himself right now. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see how that works out and, and who comes uh, and is able to stick in there. Because, you know, you're not only dealing with the, the player himself, but you're also dealing, you know, with, uh, with the force of what got him there, which is his mom. Right. And, and right. you know, and, and it's, not, it's not the control that she has, but it's just, you know, everything that she has put in it to, to get him to that point is, you know, she's, she's looking to go beyond that. And unless it's going to work in his favor, then, then she should step in. Because, you know, that's the way, you know, your grandma stepped in with me. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens and who comes in next and, uh, you know, and, and, and where he goes from here. But, uh, you know, he's young, he's good, he's big, he's strong, and, and, uh, and he's got game. So, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, like I said, you know, every time we talk about him, I'm watching him. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because it's, uh, he's still young. Like, he's 20, you know, and it's like people are, hey, he needs to drop his mom or she needs to not be so involved and blah, 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 what everyone says on Twitter. But it's like, hey, he's only 20. It's not like, you know, he's 25 and she's still there and she's still doing all of this. You know, you can look at somebody like Sitsipas is older. His dad's all over. He's there all the time. You know, and Sitsipas is 24 or whatever he is, 25 now. Or even somebody like Caroline Wozniacki, who, you know, recently came back at the U.S. Open last year and is trying to make a comeback. Her dad is still there all the time and she's in her 30s. Yeah, you know, there's a fine, there's a very fine line, son. No, no, you I know, understand. There, I'm saying yeah. there's like there's a balance, you know, because yes. you're yes. like the parent who grinded and brought them up and gave them everything and taught them, and you know, no one's going to trust each other more than you and your mom and, and that bond you have. It's not like you're ever just going to like go okay later and like completely go hands off, right? You know? Especially to right. people who you just might have met or you don't know that well or who do you, you know do you trust them and all this stuff. But then also there has to be that natural like space you give someone who's becoming their own person and an adult and making their way and their name and their career and all that stuff. So I think it's a, an interesting story to follow. I think you're right. I think Boris might 
you know, maybe he, the the time he was asking from Boris was maybe too much. And like you said, Boris has a lot of other obligations in his life. Maybe he wasn't able to do it. But uh, yeah, I'm interested to see because Holger, I think he needs to kind of figure it out and like kind of get some stability, you know, and, and just have whatever he's going to have around him for a little while. You know, let him get used to the voices and used to whatever they're telling him and, and try and implement it and work on that stuff. And then, you know, then you can, you know, look back on it in a year and say, hey, it was a good, was it bad? Should we keep going? But to only do a month or two, it, it, it's hard to get any feel because, I mean, how many matches right. did you play with them? Since we, t- right. since we had them on, like less than 10, probably. So, well, yeah, I mean, it's a, you know, like I said, there's, it's, it's a fine line. It comes down to all being a matter of trust. And I keep going back to that because I knew that what, what your, your grandmother and your great grandmother gave me, that whatever they told me, I trusted them, that they were only going to try to make me a better player and, and, and to be better at what I was trying to do. And then when they turned, you know, when I, I went over to Poncho and they turned me over to Poncho that, and I trusted him. So it was all, and that he was going to give me what I needed for a man's game to play against men to be the best, you know? So my, the trust that I had in, in them was that, you know, whatever you tell me, I'm going to do. So, you know, but, but that word trust is brutal, you know, because, uh, uh, um, <laughs> because I, I want to go back and say, because, you know, you're going to trust a lot of people that are going to, you know, give you the high hard one, yeah. you know? So uh, if you're, if you're not careful, but, you know, and that, and that's kind of, you know, the protection, you know, that his mom probably has, you know, I'm, I'm not digging, I'm no psychologist or psychiatrist. I'm not digging into the mind, but, but I, I understand, you know, that, you know, how that works you know, what it takes, you know, to, to get on board and to, you know, really put your heart and soul into someone, you know, like Boris mm-hmm. had to do for him and, and, and to, to give him everything. And then I understand from, you know, from Runa's part that, you know, how, how was he going to accept that? You know, you're, you're, you're kind of fighting two you know, two negatives sometimes, you know, have to make a positive, you know, that's, you know, it, it's tough to do in, and but but I, I I do understand this. I understand the importance of of guys from the past and their knowledge and their experience and their expertise of being what they have become and how that can help guys today. And if a lot of guys don't believe that, they're missing out. Right. They're missing out because you know you you can never uh, uh, doubt the fact that somebody who has been there and done that and and knows what it takes to win from bad positions and to lose from good positions and to grind it out and, and uh, what that means, you know, to, to the experience of the, of, of the young player. So, you know, yeah. it's a, it, yeah, I, I thought that he would do something good for him. I didn't think it, I, I thought it would last a lot longer than it did, but Hey, you know, maybe you'll pick up somebody else. You don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I think but, it's uh, one of those things where he's, he's trying different things maybe and, and trying to figure it out. And then, you know, because, he had that success a year and a half ago and, you know, he jumped up so high that our expectations are, and now we see Sinner win a slam and Alcaraz is one slams and everyone throws his name in with them. And, you know, I just think he's going about it and he'll, he'll figure it out. I think he just yeah. needs, needs some stability yeah. and to find someone he's comfortable with and then stay with them for a while and just, you know, get to work with them and, and try and see what they can do. Listen, I'm, I'm rooting for him. 
you yeah, know, definitely. He, uh, I, I enjoyed our conversation when he came on the podcast. He, you know, he's a uh, uh, he, he was very engaging and and easy to talk to, and you know, seemed to you know talk honestly from the heart. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and I like that, uh, you know, mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm rooting for him and, and, uh, you know, hope that, you know, he jumps into that group of, of young grand slam winners, uh, over the course of this year. And, uh, that would be great with Alcaraz and center and Djokovic and Runa and, and, uh, you know, a few guys, you know, jumping in like that, that would be great. Be great for tennis. Definitely. Yeah, definitely rooting for him and, and we'll keep an eye on it and see, you know, if he hires somebody or if he just tries to, you know, go with the people he's got now for a while. Your pet's a member of the family. Don't feed them like they're in the doghouse. Give them Nom Nom. Nom Nom delivers freshly made dog food with every portion personalized to your dog's needs so you can bring out their best. Nom Nom's made with real wholesome ingredients which you can see and recognize without any additives or fillers that contribute to bloating and low energy. That's because Nom Nom uses the latest science and insights to make real, good food for dogs. Their nutrient-packed recipes are designed by board-certified veterinary nutritionists, freshly made and shipped free. That's free to your door. Nom Nom already delivered over 40 million meals to good dogs like yours, inspiring millions of clean bowls and tail wags. Our mascot here on Advantage Connors is Isabella the Mini Golden Doodle. We love her so much, she's five years old, and recently we switched her to Nom Nom. Her favorite recipe is the chicken one. Cuisine, it's got chicken, sweet potatoes, squash, and spinach. She loves it. It comes in these pre-portioned packages that are made perfect for the dog's weight and health. And why don't we just let Isabella tell us how she likes it? Plus, Nom Nom comes with a money-back guarantee. If your dog's tail isn't wagging within 30 days, Nom Nom will refund your order. No fillers, no nonsense, just nom nom. And this is the best part, guys. Go right now for 50% off your no-risk two-week trial at trynom.com slash Connors. Spelled T-R-Y-N-O-M dot com slash Connors for 50% off. Trynom.com slash Connors. Go right now for your 50% off no-risk two-week trial at trynom.com slash Connors. That sounds like a pretty good song. Trynom.com slash Connors. Spelled Try nom.com slash Connors for 50% off. All right, let's get back to the show. All right, another quick tennis story. We don't have to talk long about it, but it kind of got my attention. It was so interesting. Dominic Team, you know, former, I think, got to two in the world. I'm not sure if he got to one, but former Grand Slam champion, 2020 US Open, good player for a really long time, had some injuries. Had the, had the wrist injury, which is the one that, that kept him out for a while. But he's been back now for a couple years. And there was an article that came out, had some quotes. I just wanted to get your take and, and see what you thought. He says, uh, I've been back for two years since the injury. I finished 2022 at 100 or so and last year at 98. Should I end the year at 100 again, meaning this year, you have to think about whether or not the whole thing is still worth it. And I just, uh, I, that kind of shook me a little bit because he's only 30. But then right. like... When you think about it, it's kind of true. He feels like he's kind of been like trying to run in quicksand these last couple of years where like he gets a little, you know, wins a match or two, has a good week and then, you know, has a bad run for a few weeks. And, you know, like he can't get any progress. He's, he's just kind of hovering, at, you know, right, right around 100. And then with the, the cost of having a team and the traveling and all the stuff that goes into it, that's not part of team sports. When you're an individual, you got to pay for a lot of the, your own stuff. 
it started me thinking like, is it really worth it? You know, like it, all the money he puts into it. And if he just ends up at a hundred, he must not be making tons of profit. You know, like what happens with that? Like when you, when you have an injury and it's so weird, cause it seems like he's back physically, but to see him yeah. not to be able to turn it on and get back to the, you know, huge uh, one-handed backhands and fast movement, huge forehands and, you know, stuff that he's known for. It, it's kind of, it's weird. And it's, it's kind of sad in a way. Cause I like team a lot. And I miss miss being him, him being a part of the conversation more. Right. Uh, you know, well, I, you know, I got to go back and I say, you know, uh, financially, I wonder if he has any uh, endorsements and so forth like that. Racket, shoes, clothes, you know, which would, you know, kind of keep him out there. And, you know, and, and uh, you know, the, uh, the amount of money that's in the game. If, and he also has a name, mm-hmm. you know, still, even though he has been hurt, he, he, he still has his name and his reputation. Being 30. Yes, it is worth it, you know, because he he has he still has some time if he's willing to pay the price. And and you know what the price is, don't you? Work. Uh, don't you know? Uh, and, I definitely and, don't think he's scared of that. I feel like no, but but so so you go you go work hard and you continue and and you train and you try to get that confidence because winning is all about confidence. If if he wins a few matches and and he'll get on a roll. Sometimes you just got to be a little patient because coming. I know what it's like coming back from it, you know, from from an injury. You know, you you got to suck up a few losses, and uh, you know, but two years is you know is a difficult stint. I get it, but if you continue the grind, because I always go back to the what if, Bretter. Don't go away and think that. Well, what if I'd have played another year? Would I have come back? Do it. Do it now because, you know, then then if you stop, you can say, I gave it everything that I could, you know, to try to get back and to be the best that I could be. And, and, and I have no regrets. But, mm-hmm. you know, don't don't think that, you know, I mean, there's a lot of good young players out there. Of course there are, you know, but I'm, I'm still going back to his reputation and, and uh, what he's done in the past and the success that he's had and, 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 and his name value. Mm-hmm. You know, so you know, uh, if that was if that was me, and and I know he's not me, but I'm I'm just saying if that was me, I would say I'm 30 years old. In comparison, look at Nadal, look at Djokovic, look at Federer. You know, look at some of these guys who are playing well into their 30s, into their mid to late 30s, and what they've been able to accomplish. Why wouldn't you give yourself a chance? to stay out there and, and, you know, try to grind it out to get back to where you were. Maybe you don't, but leaving at number 100 is, is you know, and he, and, and he said it, is it worth it? Mm, I wouldn't want to leave at number, number 100. I, yeah. I think, you know, that, that's why I say go and, and do what it takes to, to give yourself an opportunity to work your way up the ladder because you, you've got room now. Yeah. You know, if, if he was five, if he was number five, I'm saying, "Ooh, shit!" You know, your your room is, uh, you know, is getting pretty crowded. There's, you know, not much room to go. But he's right. number one hundred. Right. He's got a lot of opportunity. Yeah. You know, he's, to, he's to make five, a splash. Yeah, and if if he's five, he's definitely not going anywhere. I just, uh, it, it seems like though today where you, he just needs like one good result. He almost needs to jump up and like do really well at like a Masters 1000 or jump up and make a quarter or semi at a slam or he needs to, he needs to be to beat a big player. 
Yeah, he needs to and just get out of having to play tough guys in these first second rounds too. Exactly. Where, things where he can never get traction sometimes because he's, you know, playing, you know, qualifying some events or you know having to uh, you know play somebody good in his first or second match. I hope he comes back. I mean, I hope he has a, a good year. Every every time we do one of his matches, I'm rooting for him just because. He seems like a nice kid, and it's a bummer when like your body just gives out on you. It reminds you of Delpo a little. Obviously, yeah, Delpo was able to come it, back. Listen, in, injuries are brutal, you know, it, you know, especially if they take you out for that amount of time. When the wrist, you know the wrist. Yep, I know the wrist. And, and uh, you know, to come back, you know, you've got to get the confidence in that, that you know, whatever that is, the wrist or whatever is going to hold up under all that pressure of hitting, you know, that hard for that long for that amount of time, uh, not only in one match, but over the course of a week or a month or a year, uh, you know, okay. so, you know, it's a, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a more of a, a mental thing. I would think, you yeah. know, that's what it was when I came back from my wrist surgery. It was more mental, you know, Oh my God is, you know, is, Oh, is that going to hurt? You know, is it not going to hurt or, you know, is it going to hold up? Trust it? Like, do you trust it a hundred percent kind of thing? Right. right. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Uh, all right. Well, hopefully he comes back. We can check in on him throughout the year. Clay Court season is just a month and a half or two months away. So he'll be looking forward to that. Here's a couple of quick questions for you. Gerardo Hernandez said, Jimmy, why did you wear a sock on your arm sometimes? And only, and why only on one arm and not both? <laughs> well, uh, it was mostly just to keep my arm warm because you know I was left-handed. So I wore, wore it mostly on my left side. Uh, yeah, for my serve and, and uh, you know, mostly, you know, uh, I had a two-handed backhand and that was really the extent of what my right arm was doing. But, uh, yeah, it was mostly just uh, to keep it warm. And, you know, and also, you know, uh, I, I I didn't have tennis elbow, but uh, I, I did have uh, elbow problems, uh, you know, sometimes along the way. And, and just to, you know, keep a, keep it warm, you know, over the course of the, the time was good. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, it wasn't a constant thing, but, uh, you know, on occasion it worked for me. Yeah. And then it seems to be a little bit, uh, you know, ahead of the time. Now they have compression socks, you know, people wear them on their calf or their whole, or their thigh or their whole leg or their whole arm or shoulder. So it uh, probably didn't compress much, but it kept your arm warm, which was, which was good. Yeah. All right. Let's see. What else do we got here? We got some good, this guy says, Lauren Casper, what's the best part of being Jimmy Connors? <laughs> living life yeah you know and, and and i and i say that with a with a smile because i have had a life that uh you know from the very beginning that uh was i never expected to have coming coming from a small town in illinois which was baseball basketball you know, we had the st louis cardinals uh football and and baseball and then golf and tennis back where i came from wasn't really part of it you know if you weren't playing baseball basketball or football then then no that, that wasn't it uh you know so you know the, the opportunity that i had and and uh you know to play tennis and to travel and to see the world and to meet people and and to have success at what i uh you know was able to accomplish you know i i it, it's a it's a one in a million story for me and and uh you know that's the best part of it yeah i i look back, I, I appreciate every moment of it. I, I traveled, I saw the world, I met some amazing people. I, I met a lot of stinkers too, don't get me wrong, but uh, overall, it was a, it's been an amazing ride. Uh, you know, I think the best part of it is, you know, what, what I've ended up with. You yeah. know, uh, I, I've ended up with uh, 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 my son, 45 years old, 
Brad's 44. 44. Well, <laughs> you're in your 45th year. All uh, right. Our daughter, uh, Aubrey, uh, you know, my wife, Patty, 46 years almost. And that, you know, that to me, you know, is what uh, tennis has allowed me to have. Uh, you know, I, I, I say every year that uh, uh, that your grandmother gave me a life that I never thought I uh, would be a part of, uh, you know, all of us. And, uh, you know, to this day, what she has given, you know, me to be able to play tennis and, and to, to be able to have what, what we have and, you know, the, the family that we have and everything is, uh, is beyond special. That's the best part of being me. Yeah, that's well said. I got uh, a question here from Barbara Whitehead that can piggyback off of what you just said. What's the best non-tennis piece of advice Gloria Grandma Glow ever gave you? That is a big question. I don't know if I have enough time to answer that. Answer that. Okay. I, I think I think I think the one thing that uh, that that she she always said to me, and 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 it, it, it kind of pertained to everything, you know, tennis and you know just life in general, was that no matter what the outcome, the outcome is never what you don't want it to be. And by that, it, that she said that, you know, if I, if I would lose a tennis match, you know, maybe I lost that tennis match, but you can always do something about that. And it was almost the same in life. Your grandma was very good at, at uh, giving me hints about living life through tennis. And, and, and that was kind of the same thing, that uh, everything in life is not always going to go the way you want it. You know, it's just that as long as you understand that and you can try to do something about it, that's the most important thing. Nice. I like that. All right, let's, uh, three more questions. You don't have to go That long. might be too deep for me. I, I might that's... be getting a little too deep. <laughs> <laughs> the jet lag. Jet the lag. jet lag, yeah. <laughs> All right, we got a question here from a Stephen Elliott. I'm coming out there on March 27th for eight days. Hopefully you're still around and we can play some golf. You only have to give me six aside. It would be great to see you and Brett. Now, <laughs> I, you, Steve Elliott is is our buddy that we played golf with out here, and his nickname is Otto. We have played over the past, I don't know, 12 years, 12, 14 years, and uh, he has since moved from here. I think he's back in around New Hampshire area, and uh, if he comes out here and he only wants six aside, tell him I'm game for that. <laughs> so you know he must yeah. be playing if he's only asking for six. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He's a buddy, and I look forward to seeing him. He's uh, we've always had a great time playing, and uh, you know he's uh, with all the guys out here. So I look forward to having him back again. Yeah, that'll be fun. I'll mark that on the calendar and uh, and come up and bring the sticks. One more from somebody that we know for a long time, Candace Jordan of Chicago. Huh? Love your podcast. Keep up the great work. Chuck asks, it seems to me tennis has never been as popular since the era with you, Mac Borg, and all the great Australians, etc. What happened? What affected the popularity of the game most? Most players now you've never heard of as much. Also, do you think being left-handed gave you an advantage? We love you. Yeah, I love Candace and Chuck. We love we love you too. We don't get to see you enough and, and spend enough time with you. We've been friends for so many years. Yeah, I mean, you know, tennis has changed. I mean, you know, back in the 70s, uh, you know, things were just really starting, uh, you know, uh, bigger crowds and television and sponsors and and so forth like that. And, you know, and and we've talked about it often, Brett, the guys that uh, that were playing at that time, you know, a lot of great Australians, a lot of great Americans, 
international tennis, uh, uh, you know, from Romania to Argentina to Sweden to Italy to, you know, wherever. But but we we all had our own identity. And I think that was uh, such a big part of of growing the game that we had our own style of of play in, on the court. We had our own attitude. We were our own characters, and we had styles that that matched, that that made for great tennis. And we had styles that uh, that didn't that made for great tennis. Uh, you know, so it was it was kind of different. Uh, you know, serve and volley against a baseline or two baseliners playing, two serve and volley players. You know, guys who were looking to move forward, guys who were lucky to stay back, and you know, so it was, you know, it was a different area, uh, different era of many ways to play the game, to have an imagination, to try to set up a point, and to move the ball around and so forth, as opposed to you know the the game today of just being a power player. So yeah, I mean, it was it was great days back then, and you know, being left-handed, uh, I think back then. Uh, there uh, weren't really that many. Uh, you know, Roscoe was one, McEnroe was one, I was one, Laver was one. There, there wasn't really, you know, a lot of uh, you know top left-handers. So being left-handed at, at one time was an advantage. I don't think so uh, much anymore. It's changed. There are more left-handers, and the way the guys play, and you know, a lot of the guys play so deep behind the baseline that you know the spin, the, the left-handed spin, is a little bit different, but. They play so deep behind the baseline that that spin kind of loses its loses its flare, you know, mm-hmm. as, as, uh, the longer it uh, goes through the air. So you know, it's, it's not as big a, a, an advantage anymore. But uh, yeah, from Candace and Chuck uh, in, uh, in Chicago, we're coming back that way. We're going to run into you soon. We've had some great times with them. Uh, we love them. Yep. Candace and mom were, were buddies. Uh, Candace was a former playmate. Uh, with Playboy, uh, shout out to her. One time, she I used to see her at some of the parties up at the Playboy Mansion, and she couldn't make it one year to the New Year's party. And she writes a column back in Chicago and, and goes on a lot of the media and stuff covering a lot of the events back there. And so she paid me to write an uh, article and take some pictures at the Playboy Mansion. And uh, oh, tough, work. tough work. I bet that didn't uh, hurt you too much. You didn't mind that, did you? No, I did not. Uh, <laughs> well, thanks, Candace, for that. I always appreciate you. We miss you and hope to see you soon. One thing on what you were saying about your era, everyone had the different styles, right? And it right. seems like days with the technology, almost like because of the advancements in technology, it's been positive in these some ways, but then it's taken out the chances for variety in a lot of ways where like you can't come to the net more and like the gripping, you can pass a lot easier and the power and, and just all that different stuff, the... the the strings are so grippy. It kind of, you know, it makes me think of, it makes me think of back in the day when I was watching a show and it was an older show and the people had like flip phones. They would answer their mm-hmm. phone and this guy had a flip phone and this guy had an old like a Nokia and this guy had a Blackberry. And it kind of made me miss the time when we all had different cell phones. You know, pretty much right. now everyone's got an iPhone or whatever it is, probably 50, 40% of the population. And then the other half have like a Samsung or a Google phone, whatever the other two are that most people have. And it kind of made me think of styles where like now everyone kind of just gets shoved into these two or three phones. And back in the day, everyone kind of had more personality. You could, you know, have the little flip phone on your belt or you had the Blackberry with the keyboard that no one else had, or you, you know, whatever it was, there was more options to choose from. And I still have a flip phone, but (laughs) <laughs> you do. I, I, lo- I, I love my flip phone. <laughs> I still, I still have it. I'm, I'm on, I'm on the different one, you know, uh, here because 
it has uh, you know my email and and so forth. But uh, my flip phone is uh, you know is from my family. You know, and and when that rings, I know that uh, it's important. So, but uh, uh, it, it's it's amazing. The styles, I, you know, I, I remember when when they had the the big phones that they put in your car, you know, in the console, and you know, it, it said that was how how great was that, you mm-hmm. know, and, and then all of a sudden you were able to take it out and take it with you. Oh my God, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm going I'm dating myself now, but uh, oh, oh, you know, you know where where we've come in the technology and everything uh, that uh, that we're seeing in today's times, and and you know, I'm I'm not that guy. I'm not a a tech guy, you know, I'm lucky to, you know, send a text and use my email a little bit, but you, you know, are not a, a tech guy. you are not no. a tech guy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I call you for help every time. Hey, yeah. I can't not do this, help me out. But, uh, yeah. but, but it's amazing. It's amazing. You know, what, uh, you know, where we're going and, you know, and, you know, where I am right now, what, what I'll see before I, before I go and then what you'll see even after that is going to be amazing. But uh, yeah, here we are. Yep. Listen, it's got to be great because you know we're we're doing this podcast and we you know we're a hundred and you know uh, thirty miles apart and uh, and it sounds like we're right next door to each other. So it's not so bad. No, not at all. It uh, reminds me we used to go out to the Alisal. You'd pick me up from school and we would go golf before it got dark. And we used to have to you know we would make our bets in the car and then go play the front and then swing by after nine and see if there was any score updates and then change, you know, any call Dini <laughs> and make any changes. And then uh, once we were able to bring the phone on the course with us, wow, what a door it opened. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, that's what, that's when our, our golf game suffered. <laughs> right. We were paying way too much attention to the other. Yeah, we were on the phone way too much. But yeah, uh, yeah it's it's uh, uh, we're we're living in in an amazing time, and uh, it's just that uh, you know sometimes we don't uh, appreciate what we have, and and uh, you know we get a little uh, out of control and so forth. But uh, hey, I like it right here. You know, I, whatever is on the the great beyond, I'm in no hurry to see it. I'm liking it right here, and and uh, you know, you said you're bringing your your golf clubs up. I'm I'm looking forward to that. That's my, you know, that's my view. Is I had a great stay with your sister down in uh, Florida last week, and good time, you know, uh, spending some time with her. And you know, we're looking forward for you to come up here with your golf clubs, and you know, li- living this life is not a bad thing. So. Nope. We'll stay with it. Yep. One last question because uh, we have to. It's this Sunday. It's going to be the most watched event maybe all year. We'll see. Super Bowl, Las Vegas, San Francisco, Kansas City. What do you think? What's the pick? Kansas City still, uh, or San Francisco still holding steady at minus two. I've seen it for more at other sites, but on my site, it's still minus two and 47 and a half, which is what we said last week. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, uh, if I was a betting man, uh, I, w- I would say that it's tough to go against Kansas City because of their record the last couple of years, right? They, I think they've won two out of the last three years, the Super Bowl. Am I right there? Yep. They've won twice. Yeah. yeah and and uh, betting against Mahomes, I mean, he just seems to win. Uh, you know he's he's a scrambler and he's he just he just knows what it's like to win and and his record the last couple of years have proven that. But then again, you know San Francisco, they've got a new guy back there, and I wonder how this big stage is gonna uh, gonna affect him. 
but uh, you know they're they're pretty powerful on both sides of the ball too. So you know, two points, forty-seven points. I mean, if, if and it's in Las Vegas, so you know it's kind of the neutral site. I mean, I, I'm going through all the. I mean, if 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 this was you know a number Just of years ago, I I'd have eight papers all over the pool table, you know, reading everything. But now, since I don't do that, I'm taking I'm taking Kansas City. Okay, Kansas City. And the, and the under the under okay yeah. i kind of like that i feel like they're both they both been good defenses san francisco's got yes. those two defensive ends and a lot of speed on that side of the ball but you're right it's tough to go against mahomes purdy how's he going to handle it you know last year he was hurt when they had a chance to go to philly and, and make it to the super bowl mr irrelevant i think that'd be an awesome story last guy picked so i think i don't know if i'll go with the niners how about a friendly fiver so we can talk about it next week? I'll take the Niners, you take the Chiefs, and we can have okay. something to text about on Sunday. That's a deal, and I'm going to place one bet because I know I got a 50-50 chance of winning. <laughs> I'm going to bet the coin flip. <laughs> Perfect. But you still have to lay. You have to lay the VIG. You're going to get my uh, 110. <laughs> I know. I know. That's painful. You should it's just painful. bet it with me. I'll give you just straight odds. I'll give you minus 105. How about that? Okay, I'm taking heads. <laughs> uh, I'm taking heads. Okay, I'll take tails. Always good being with you, son. Always good. Yep. And, uh, I miss seeing you and, and uh, look forward to you coming up here. And in the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at Jimmy Connors. And you can follow Brett on Twitter at Brett underscore Connors. Always Follow us, our podcast uh, at uh, Advantage Connors. And yeah, we, we love hearing your questions. Thanks, uh, you know, for sending all that in. And uh, we got a lot more. And maybe next week we can get to, you know, to a few more and, uh, you know, keep everybody interested in what we have to say. Yeah, I love it. I mean, getting that many responses and, and great questions from you guys. We had a lot more that we just didn't have time to get to. We could do next week. So love you, Dad. Get some rest. And uh, we'll talk to everybody next week. Peace. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.